This podcast is made possible by the generosity of supporting members. Please visit dharmaocean.org to find out more about becoming a supporting member. You are listening to the Dharma Ocean Podcast. In today's episode, Reggie discusses the meditative journey of individuation. He acknowledges societal obstacles, such as institutional bureaucracies, that can undermine inspiration and waylay personal development. True freedom requires taking responsibility for our life and completely trusting the inner voice of our body. This talk was given in 2009 at the September Meditating with the Body Retreat held at the Blazing Mountain Retreat Center in Crestone, Colorado. To find out about the upcoming 10-week Awakening the Body online program, please visit dharmaocean.org. Morning, everybody. There is a kind of certainty in the work that we're doing which is uh, the certainty of the teachings themselves and the power of this uh, time in our lives. And and we are here also with uh, a real sense of the rightness of it. And our relationships are very um, astounding, actually, the closeness that we have. But there's a big question, what do we do about it? What are we going to do about it? How are we going to apply it? How are we going to actualize it and realize the teachings? And how are we going to meet our own inspiration about all of it and make it real in our lives. And we are inheritors of the Roman, of Roman civilization. And we are, um, our default is uh, bureaucracy. I mean, you know, that's what Rome delivered, was a way to organize people into structures and institutions and bureaucracies. And bureaucracies set up structures that are independent of people's own being and people's own journey. And at a certain point, the people are less important than the maintenance of the bureaucracy. And this, this, is what, this is where we live. I mean, our whole civilization in the modern world is based on rules and regulations and structures and institutions that continue. And whether people do well or not doesn't really matter on a certain level. I mean, everybody says it does matter, but, it, but if you look at how institutions work, it doesn't. You know, ultimately, people are people's own journeys and fulfillment is sacrificed to the maintenance of the, whatever it is, you know, whatever the institution might be. You see it with the organized religion, of course, all over the place. 
So we might feel, given our inspiration, given the reality of the teachings and the power that we know, you know, the, the living water that we're drinking, we might have a tendency to want to organize all of it and to be told exactly what to do by somebody else. And as I mentioned the other day, um, Trump Rinpoche did try that. I mean, he didn't, uh, he didn't really know the, how we do things, and he, he didn't really understand how institutions work and, and the, the fallout, the personal fallout. And he did try it. He set up a bureaucracy and a structure and all kinds of rules and all kinds of hoops you had to jump through. It was like the Catholic Church, only way more extreme, believe it or not. And it didn't work. In fact, it strangled the spirituality of, eventually it strangled the spirituality. And um, so I saw that and I see it doesn't work. And I see, even though it's very attractive and seductive to think, well, we just organize everything and tell everybody what to do and everybody can realize the teachings. You can't do that, it doesn't work. So, we're doing it differently. And we're doing it differently because the teachings require it. But the thing is, we don't know exactly how it could be or what it's going to look like. You know, us here, we don't know how it's going to look. We do know that there needs to be a general path that you follow with, you know, a sort of sense of progression in the way the teachings are delivered. And, you know, we, that has evolved in Dharma Ocean, and we'll talk about that. But at the same time, the way in which that structure is um, negotiated and, and traveled is very, very much up to you. It's as if there's a, a huge ocean, and there's certain islands in the ocean, and we're all sailing east to where the sun rises. And it's a land with incredible beauty and golden light. And, you know, when the sun comes over the horizon, we know where it is, we can see. But also there's a, an ocean to traverse. And each one of us has our sailing ship. And each one of us is the captain of that sailing ship and the navigator. And it's like when you, if you've ever raced sailboats, everybody takes a different journey. Everybody has a different way of working with the ocean and the weather and the wind. And that's why, you know, when I say ultimately it's your journey, that's what I mean. There's no, nobody is going to tell you sail two miles here and then tack left 
and sail five miles and then tack right. It's not like that. Nobody can tell you how to do it, fortunately. So there is a sense of direction, and there are islands, you know, there's meditating with the body and sort of refueling stops, so to speak. You, you stop at the island and you gather more information and you nourish yourselves and you meet other people and then you set out again and then you come to Datun and then you set out and then you do Sutriyana and then you set out and you do VTI and Mahamudra and Yurnandro. So there are these general um, markers, but basically you have to make the journey and you have to decide how to sail your own ocean and when and when you need to visit one of the islands and, you know, along the way and take the next stop. And the interesting point is that the destination isn't really what it's about. I mean, it's odd. You know, we have this huge inspiration toward our life and our journey, but it's actually the journey itself that is the point. And when you visit an island, in some sense, doesn't make that much difference. I mean, you know, in other words, when you visit the island is whenever you are inspired to visit the island. And you may decide you're going to go into the Northern Ocean for a while and sail around, you know, the where it's so cold that when the water breaks over the ship, it turns to ice. And you may find out a lot of things there that we need to know. And you may disappear in that northern ocean for years. And then you turn up again, and we see you, we meet you. So, you know, my job is to kind of, um, you know, give you a general chart and, you know, sort of point you, you know, say, there's the sun, there's, this is where we're going, and this is what it looks like. And, you know, here are the, um, here are the refueling places and the, the nourishment places, and then turn you loose. And you, you know, and you may find other islands that, along the way, that are very important for you that none of us know about. So, and you may get lost. You know, you may run into a fog bank and be sailing around, um, and then you may get becalmed, and you know, you're just riding on the swell of the ocean in this dense fog, and you don't know where you are, and you don't even know if the wind is ever going to pick up again. And that's part of the journey as well. You know, it's part of knowing that ocean. So. You know, even um, when, you know, the Buddha was not, uh, this was the Buddha's way, and he, you know, he didn't have a, uh, it wasn't any more set up than, you know, than than, uh, we're talking about for him. And he wanted his disciples to do the same, exact same thing he did. And we know, you know, reading the early tradition, that he, the whole point was, you know, he was their friend, spiritual friend, and he encouraged them to make his exact same journey. But what happened was, of course, um, Buddhism became bureaucratized. And, um, 
you can read uh, a book I wrote called Buddha Saints in India, which is about the bureaucratization of Buddhism and the uh, other people like us who were doing something different. It's, it's been the story since the beginning. And the teachings were then began to be uh, organized in a way. And first you teach people the precepts, and you do that for a few years, and then you teach them this, and then you teach that, and then eventually they get the Mahayana teachings, and then you do that for a long time, and then they get the Vajrayana teachings. And that's not the way it was in the beginning at all. And it wasn't how Trungpa Rinpoche teaches, and it's not the way I teach. What I teach you is the there is um, something that needs to be said in each teaching situation. And I find out about it at the same time you do. And there's a kind of, uh, instead of me being in charge of the curriculum and delivering the teachings according to what I think they should be, the lineage is in charge of the curriculum and the teachings are delivered in a way that cannot be foreseen. And I teach you a great deal of Vajrayana. I mean, in fact, the view is Vajrayana, and even a lot of the practices are Vajrayana. Meantime, we do, you know, we do visit the islands in a certain order. So, a couple things are really important. One is, you know, as I keep saying, that you take responsibility for your own journey, and you're not looking to anybody else, your Sangha brothers and sisters, or the senior teachers, or me, to tell you how to do it or when to do it. You have to really, you know, as I've been saying, you have to take responsibility yourself. It's actually your journey. And I become a resource for you, rather than the other way around. You know, in the bureaucratic approach, you know, you, you become a resource for me. In other words, I'm the important thing happening, and Dharma Ocean is the important thing and you become a resource for us. But in this case, it's the opposite. You are the important thing. You're why, you're the center of the mandala, you're the center of the, really, universe that you live in. You're you're at the center holding the whole thing. And I happen to be, and the lineage and the senior teachers and the sangha are resources that you draw on as you come into your own being, and as you meet your own world. So we're secondary. And it's so important to understand that, because in, again, you know, we have this uh, Roman default, which is uh, very seductive, that you remain an infant, and you're dependent on some big situation, some institution, or some god, or some you know, big person or whatever it may be, that's the bureaucratic approach. It, it, you know, bureaucracy cultivates long life dependency or whole life dependency, lifelong dependency, and it, uh, it infantilizes people, keeps them in a state of, of being an infant. And uh, this is uh, not helpful and it's not our way we are doing something that's much more honoring of the human person and the need for the human person to grow out of infancy, grow out of dependency. And it is true that for a certain period of time, 
you do need to be dependent on something that's going to help you become independent. If you become dependent on something that is where the strategy or the intention is to keep you dependent for the rest of your life, you've got a very serious problem. And that's why organized religion is, you know, is so such a painful thing in this world because it cultivates, it, it says to people, you can be dependent on us. And then what you get is teaching that makes you dependent for the rest of your life. You never actually really grow up within any of the organized religions. And of course, there are people who do grow up within them, but they have to be very strong, very independent, and they suffer a lot. And I know this from, um, you know, not only Buddhism, but from my Catholic friends, you know, who are very, very good people, practitioners, meditators. But they, the, what I've noticed over the years is the, the downward drag of the church is very, very difficult for them. And in some sense, they can't really free themselves fully because of that situation. So we need to be very clear on the um, tendencies that we all have to want to be dependent on something else. A person, a set of teachings, um, an organized path where we're told exactly what to do and when. We have to realize we all have that tendency to want that, but it's not going to be helpful in the long run. And what, what we want here is something much more radical and much more um, empowering for ourselves. To listen to more of Reggie and Caroline's teachings, find out about upcoming retreats and online programs, and explore a variety of audio listening guides to assist you on your journey with somatic meditation, please visit dharmaocean.org. Our music is by Jeff Beale and Nawang Ketchog from the album Tibet Cry of the Snow Lion.